Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here online. Hey, we are so excited. Next week is the week that we move into our building for Sunday morning worship. Now, it's kind of a soft opening. Uh, we'll, there's, there'll still be scaffolding on the building where we're making repairs. There'll still be, uh, it, there's no sound treatment or uh, some of the decorations that are coming, but it is time that we start gathering there. Uh, and we are so excited for that opportunity. We want you to know that you are invited, uh, but we also want you to know that we understand that different people are at different places in this journey, different comfort levels, different needs right now in this season. So we fully support you in whatever you choose to do. We'll continue joining you here online at 10 a.m. where we also uh, get to start meeting at the facility. So you guys pray about and decide how you, you, you might be able to join us in the weeks to come. If you do want to come to our in-person gathering, please go to our website and register because we do have a limited capacity. So let us know you're coming if you're able to. So today we're going to talk about being in the presence of God. And when I think about presence, I think of some of the sunsets that I've seen. Now, I don't know about you, but I love watching sunsets. And that's one of the beautiful things about living here in the desert, in the Tri-Cities. We have just the most magnificent sunsets. More than on one occasion, I'll go outside in the evenings and then I'll come running back in and say, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing. Come outside and look at the sunset. I love the colors. I love how dynamic sunsets are. They're always changing. You look away for 30 seconds and it's like a different sky. And so today we're going to talk about being in the presence of God. And a lot like a sunset, God, God's splendor, God's goodness, God's beauty just draws us in and pulls us to in just to be in his presence. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Now this is the season of Lent. And uh, if you're not real familiar with Lent, I encourage you to go back a couple week, uh, weeks in when we spoke a message kind of introducing what Lent is. Uh, but this is a season in which uh, many Christians choose to fast or to give something up so that they can give themselves more fully to God, lean into that relationship. And uh, we've been likening this season of Lent to a season spent in the wilderness, denying ourselves something, bringing about scarcity intentionally in some way in our lives. And over and over in scripture, we see this idea of people going into the wilderness and quite often it's linked with 40 days, uh, which Lent is 40 days, not including Sundays. And um, so Jesus spent 40 days fasting in the desert. Um, Moses, Elijah, the Israelite people, it was 40 years that they spent mm -hmm. in the desert. But over and over, we see this rhythm. And so we're kind of exploring a few of those texts that talk about this move into the wilderness. And today we look at the story of Elijah, a man who goes out into the wilderness and finds there the presence of God. So who was Elijah? Elijah was a prophet and a prophet was simply someone that God spoke through uh, to speak to his people. So in the Old Testament, often uh, the kings who followed God would go to a prophet and inquire of the Lord through the prophet. And so Elijah was a spokesperson for God. 
All right. So the story begins. We'll be in First Kings, and we're going to be in First Kings 19 today. Um, but the backstory is really significant to find where Elijah is in this moment. So uh, the story begins um, for us today with King Ahab, who is married to Queen Jezebel. Now they are the king and queen of Israel, uh, and they are not following in God's ways. In fact, in fact, the text tells us that um, they they did all the evil that their ancestors had done before them and more. You see, Jezebel was a worshiper of Baal, um, a foreign god, and, uh, and um, Ahab and Jezebel introduced Israel worship of Baal, Asherah pole, temples, and all sorts of practices that were detestable in the eyes of God and Israel. So as you can imagine, King Ahab and Jezebel were at odds with Elijah, who was God's prophet at this time. And, and in this story leading up to the story we're looking at today, Elijah announces to King Ahab that there will be no rain, that God is sending a drought until, um, until Elijah or God through Elijah says that rain will come. And so Elijah was not very popular with King Ahab. Well, this drought lasts for three years. And at the end, uh, towards the end of this drought, God tells Elijah to go back to King Ahab and challenge King Ahab's uh, prophets of Baal um, to see who really was God. And so he invites he challenges, that's probably a better word than invites, he challenges King Ahab and his prophets of Baal and of Asherah to, to come assemble on Mount Carmel. And, and Ahab accepts and he brings all his prophets, and there are hundreds and hundreds of them, and also the people of Israel. He has the people of Israel come and they all assemble with Elijah on Mount Carmel. And before he lays out this challenge, Elijah looks at the people of Israel and he, and he asks them, how long will you waver between God and between Baal? How long will you waver between these two? If God is God, then follow God. If Baal is God, then follow Baal. And the people were silent. They had nothing to say to Elijah. And so then Elijah lays out this challenge. He says, okay, well, each, um, the, you, the prophets of Baal will build an altar for a burnt offering, and I will also build an altar for a burnt offering, but we won't light the offering for the, for the burnt sacrifice. Instead, we'll pray to our, uh, you guys will pray to Baal, and I will pray to Yahweh, and we'll see which God responds with fire. And that, that will prove that that is God. And so first the, the prophets of Baal go first and they build up this altar. And for most of the day, they're praying, they're, they're doing their rituals, trying to call on Baal to light this fire. And of course, Baal is silent. And then it's Elijah's turn. Elijah builds the altar. And not only does he build the altar, just like the prophet said, he has them douse it with water. Uh, three times. And then he prays to God and said, God, show these people who you really are. And God sends fire that consumes this sacrifice. 
So God has proven himself faithful and powerful. Well, Baal has, he was a no-show that day, apparently, right? And uh, so the gory part of the story is that the prophets of Baal are put to death. And the rejoicing part of the story is the people remember the God that they had served, the God that they lived in covenant with, uh, the God that had loved them and supported them and seen them through the desert to now the promised land. So they turn back to God. Elijah prays to God. Rain comes on the land, and there is new hope in Israel. And so this is where we're going to begin um, looking at the text. This is going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to read us the first part of it. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done on Mount Carmel and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me be ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. What a dramatic shift in the story from Mm -hmm. this pinnacle moment in which God proves himself, demonstrates his power, and Elijah got to be a part of that process of God demonstrating his power. He was Mm -hmm. a firsthand witness and participant in the things that God accomplished on that day from that incredibly high moment to an incredibly low moment in his life. Mm -hmm. People have threatened his life, and instead of trusting in the God that proved himself powerful, uh, Elijah finds himself fearful and running away in this moment. He says, I've had enough. He is at his wits Mm -hmm. end. He has no more energy. Uh, Fear is beginning to overwhelm him. Have you ever found yourself at a point like this in life? Maybe even in light of the good things that have just happened, so exhausted or fearful or unable to engage the moment that we we find ourselves just crushed without the ability to stand or to move on. Um, So I used to be a youth pastor, and occasionally that is a really fun job. That's a really fun job. (laughs) It is a fun job. Okay, but uh, there was one one season or one experience of the year that uh, I just grew to loathe. Um, and it, it, it was the lock-ins. I don't know if you've ever been to lock-ins, if that's something that you you did or participated in, but the lock-ins are all night events. It means from like seven in the evening till seven the next morning, the kids are going to be at the church. And sounds painful. (laughs) Oh, it is. It starts out kind of fun, right? You're playing games and you're doing activities and you're eating too much sugar and drinking pop and all this stuff. But then, uh, as the night wears on, it, becomes usually 
pretty exhausting. By about 4, 4.30 in the morning, people are just beat, and they don't want to be around each other any longer, and they're falling asleep on the floor out in the lobby, and they're falling asleep on a chair here. And um, then you have to try to wake them up at 6 a.m. to clean the building <laughs> and to get ready to go home that next morning. And it is a terrible experience. Um, <laughs> maybe fun for some people, but I just... I got, I always reached like my limit. There came a, a point in, in that night when it was like, I do not want to be here and I cannot go on. And that totally pales in comparison to what Elijah is experiencing in this moment. I mean, for his whole life, he has been pushing. His life has been on the line. He's been working for God. And here he finds himself just crushed, just exhausted. Elijah's in a really rough state. And God responds in a very special way here. God got, I love how God cares for Elijah. Three times in the passage that we read, it talks about Elijah sleeping, and I'm sure he even slept more than that. But an angel comes to Elijah, wakes him up, and says, get up and eat. And right next to him is freshly baked bread. I mean, have you ever baked bread? Maybe you haven't. I have. I love baking bread. And it just, the smell of it fills the house. Twice the angel comes with bread and with water and says, here, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. I know you've been through a lot. The journey is a lot. And so God cares for Elijah's physical needs. And then Elijah gets up and for 40 days, he travels uh, through the wilderness to Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai. And why this specific place? Well, it's a sacred place for the Israelites and historically where Israel met with God. It's where Moses met with God on Mount Horeb. And so we see how even in Elijah's complete exhaustion and fatigue, he is seeking God. He's moving towards God by going to the mountain of God. Yeah. So he got to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, and he enters a cave and he slept for the night. Next morning, he's awoken by God, I guess. Um, God appears to Elijah there in the cave. Probably the reason he came there. He mm -hmm. needed to be in the presence of God. And God asked this question of him in First Kings um Chapter 19, 19 um, verse 9, he says, uh, what are you doing here, Elijah? And it's a poignant question. Can can you imagine uh, Elijah, mm -hmm. whom God has been appearing to and speaking through and appeared on Mount Carmel, now has made this long journey to the mountain of God and, and slept overnight in this cave. And God comes and he says, so tell me, what are you doing here right now? Elijah responds, hey, I've been very zealous, God. I've worked hard for you, uh, yet the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me as well. You can hear his exhaustion, his frustration, his fear. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. Um, later, as God responds to him, we'll find that He's not seeing the full picture. Mm -hmm. And yet I love this moment where he travels to this place to be with God. God says, what are you doing? And he honestly responds, here is what I'm feeling. Here is what I'm experiencing. Here are my fears. Here is my weakness. Um, God, I've come to meet with you in my weakness. And so then the Lord responds to Elijah in verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of God, for the Lord is about to pass by. 
So here Elijah's just spilled his guts out to God. And God is not frustrated. God is not angry with him. He doesn't oversimplify things and give him canned answers like, you know, well, everything happens for a reason, or you just need to pray a little more or have a little more faith. God doesn't respond in that way. Instead, God responds with an invitation. He says, come and stand in my presence, in the presence of the creator God, in the presence of God who just sent fire down from heaven, in the presence of God who just sent the rain, that God, just come, come and be with me. And so in 1911, Elijah experiences the presence of God. It says this, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I love this moment. This is my favorite part in the story. Uh, Elijah experiences all of these powerful things on Mount Carmel. He had experienced the power of God as fire was brought down on the altar. Here he experiences wind that tears the mountain apart and fire and earthquake and all these powerful things. But then God comes to him in a gentle whisper. In his moment of weakness and brokenness and in his desperate need to be in the presence of God, God appears a gentle whisper. And in that gentle whisper, God asks the same question of Elijah. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What has brought you here? And I love that Elijah gives the exact same answer to God he, uh, that he did before. I've been zealous. I've done all these things. Israel's rejected you. Uh, now they're trying to kill me. I'm the only one left. He doesn't change his answer for God. And and God, there's no shame, shaming of Elijah coming from God. Rather, God is inviting him in his presence to be honest with him. And in, I love that because I think there's a message in there for us, too, that as we come into the presence of God, we don't have to pretend to be something that we're not or try to portray ourselves in a, in a better light. God knows us. Anyway, and so God's gentle invitation to Elijah and to us is to come with honesty and openness and just tell me what's going on. So God appears in this gentle whisper and uh, he says this then to Elijah. He says, uh, I know that you feel alone and I know that you're afraid uh, and I know that things are stacked against you, but here's what I want you to do. Go back. <laughs> That says, all right, get up and it's time to go back. And you're going to appoint new kings and you're going to invite Elisha to be your apprentice and eventually your successor. You will have mm -hmm. a partner in this journey in the future. You are not alone. I am with you. Elisha will be with you. And God informs Elijah that, uh, in fact, there are 7,000 mm -hmm. that I have reserved. God says that I have reserved for myself that have not bowed a knee to Baal, uh, but will be faithful. So, from this place of dwelling in God's presence, he goes to this mountain to meet with God in a gentle whisper. God appears to him and God comforts him in this moment, but then says, all right, now it's time to go back out. 
he's sent back out in this moment. It is from a place of dwelling in God's comforting presence that quite often we will hear the voice of God saying, now let's go. I have something for you. You know, we learn so much about God in this story. We see his character in this story of Elijah, Elijah in the wilderness. God is faithful and God is present. Even um, when Elijah reached the very end of what he could do and was utterly exhausted, God was there. God was with him. And God is present in our lives as well. When we um, feel like we are alone, when we feel like we've had enough and we can't do anything else, God is faithful and God is present. God is also gentle. We see that in here. I mean, we know he's powerful. We, we've, we see his power and might and strength in this story. But God is also very gentle with his people. And God sustains us. God calls us, but he also sustains us. He cares for us, just like he cared for Elijah. He cared for his physical needs, but he cared also for his emotional and spiritual and mental, all all of him. You know, God is a creator God. He created all these different aspects of us, and God sustains us. We see in this story how we also are invited into the presence of God, just like Elijah, to be loved by God, to be transformed by him, to be filled with his spirit. God wants us to come into his presence and experience him. Yeah. So this is a season of Lent, a season in which uh, many of us have chosen to give something up so that we can give ourselves more fully to God. It's a season where we've intentionally moved into the uh, wilderness place um, to experience the presence of God. And like Elijah did in that moment, he experienced the presence of God. I pray that we get to experience the presence of God in this season as we dedicate ourselves more fully to him. Uh, and yet, I, I do want to encourage us and challenge us from the story that we read of Elijah today, uh, that quite often, while sitting in the presence of a God who's appeared in a gentle whisper in our lives, uh, we will hear him inviting us now to go out. Absolutely. To walk with him, uh, to partner with him in the things that he is doing in this world. So in the season of Lent, we invite us to two things. No, two things. God is with us. To sit in his presence. But then also we challenge ourselves mm -hmm. to listen closely to that gentle whisper, that voice telling us, now let's go together. Mm-hmm. So each week of Lent, we've been leaving you with a practice, like a Lent practice. And this week, I want to mention uh, practicing the presence of God. And this comes from Brother Lawrence, who was a, a monk in the 1600s. And he lived in a monastery and he was assigned very uh, menial tasks like kitchen duty or, or repairing sandals, things like that. But he's well known in his writings for his intimate relationship with God, because what Brother Lawrence would do is that he would intentionally focus throughout the day while he was doing these repetitive um, tasks, he would focus on communicating with God, on listening to God and speaking with God. And so I want to invite us this week, as we go about our week with all the things that we have to do, 
to take moments to remember as we're doing those things, or maybe even just stop and pause for a few moments to remember that we are in the presence of God and to just intentionally be in the presence of God, speaking with him, listening to him, and just, just hanging out in the presence of God together. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time and the opportunity um, to explore your word. God, in the season of Lent, as we deprive ourselves something to give ourselves more fully to you, uh, God, we invite you um, to be near. And we know that you are. But God, will you reveal your presence to us in the days, the weeks to come? Uh, God, may we know your loving presence and your gentle voice, your gentle whisper in our lives. And God, as you call us to go out, we pray that you will give us the courage, the wisdom, uh, all that we need to engage the things that you are inviting us to participate with you in, in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Elevation Worship um, sings a song called Here in His Presence, and they sing, We're not alone, here within His love, Emmanuel, God is still with us. And so we're going to post this song link here if you'd like to take a listen. We hope you have a great week. Blessings, bye. <laughs>